Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA, and we're going to start the show in just a minute, but before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast is being brought to you by TestStrips.com. That's TestStrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen, .com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause. That cause is the fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple-to-use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies. They will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because... They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com, teststrips with the Z.com, or calling 855 strips with the Z1. That's 855 strips1. Teststrips.com, Better Business Bureau accredited A plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now, let us start the show. Fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. Huh? We're going to shake things up. Now, here is your host, Mike Hack. studios here and normally i would say beautiful berkshire county massachusetts right now but it is raining it is wet sloppy just not a nice day here in the berkshires but big event coming up on saturday ufc on fox 30 live from calgary alberta canada this is the dana white birthday card and what a card it's going to be and we're going to talk all about that throughout the show today before we get everything a little piece of business Help a brother out. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you call it. Takes you two seconds. Just hit the subscribe button. Throw the old Superman punch at it. And you get shows immediately upon release. Much like last week when Jay Haran came on last minute. Those who subscribed got that episode right away. It's a beautiful thing. Plus, if you leave a five-star rating, leave some kind words. I wouldn't be upset if you did that either. And for those who have done that so far, thank you very much. Oh, actually, you know what? Now that I had, now that I think about it, I gotta be a, a man of my word here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm doing this. Where is it? I gotta be a man of my word. 
I got to read some reviews. We got a couple of them. Appreciate your patience. All right, ready? Here we go. The Todd's, Toddster 362. I've always been a fan of the Extrons podcast and Mike and Elias were hosting it. So when I heard that it was being brought back, I was skeptical. After listening to the first episode, I realized the show would be in great hands. Mike Heck is an underrated talent in the MMA podcast world. And I'm excited to continue listening every week. Thank you for that. Steve Arena 11, really excited that Extra Rounds is back in my podcast mix every week. Great knowledge, guests, and interviews. Highly recommended. So thank you. And if you do that, I will read yours on the air as well. How about that? That's what happens when you're not scripted or anything. Things just happen. And you got to make sure, you know, you do what you say you're going to do. All right. So here's what's happening this week on the show. Full disclosure, I was supposed to be on vacation this week, but there is so much going on at my full time job. There's a million moving pieces right now. And my plan was since UFC Calgary is coming up on Saturday and I was on vacation technically. I was going to replay some old interviews with fighters on this card. I did a great interview with Alex Hernandez a little while back on my old podcast. did a great interview with John McDessie on my old podcast. And I still have that stuff. So I was going to play those and then just kind of do a quick intro and ride off into the sunset and enjoy the rest of my week. But because of everything happening, we are going to play those interviews. But we have added a little bit more to this. One of the most interesting fights on Saturday... One that everyone's talking about, one that's got people excited ever since it was announced, is the women's strawweight fight between Ioanni and Jacek, the former longtime UFC women's strawweight champion, taking on Tisha Torres. It's a very interesting fight. Tisha Torres coming off that loss to Jessica Andrade. Ioanni and Jacek coming off back-to-back losses to Rose Namajunas. And I'm actually surprised that Ioanni's coming back so quickly, but she's coming right back. She wants to get right back on the horse, and I have a lot of respect for that. So we're going to talk to both of those ladies on the program as they get ready to square off on Saturday in Calgary. I'm excited. I've never talked to either of those. Uh, I've never talked to Ioana, never spoken with Tisha Torres, so this is going to be the first time chatting with both of them. But before we get to those interviews, before we get to those ladies, we'll get to Alex Hernandez. All right, we're going to replay this interview from a little while ago. Alex Hernandez is fighting Olivia Aubin Mercier, a fight that was first reported by us at Fansided MMA. It is happening. It's going to open up that main card. And Alex Hernandez is one of those guys that, you know, if he can get a good win here, he can get another finish. They got something with him. He's young. He's tough. He's an exciting fighter. Very intelligent, as you'll hear. And he can talk a little trash while he's at it. So uh, I love that fight. And Alex Hernandez is definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on. Then you'll hear from John McDessie. Great stuff from him. He gets ready to take on Ross Pearson. That's going to be a fun fight. That's part of the UFC Fight Pass prelims. And then we'll talk to Tisha Torres, and then we'll wrap things up with Ioana and Jacek on the Extra Rounds podcast. Following his phenomenal UFC debut, the quick knockout of Benil Dariush at UFC 222, his message back then for the entire lightweight division was simply stand up. And now he will take on Olivia Abin Mercier on July 28th in Calgary, UFC on Fox 30. You're being joined by Alexander the Great Hernandez. Alex, how are you, sir? Thanks for doing this, man. Hey, brother. I appreciate you. Good talking to you again, man. Absolutely. So I wanted to get this out of the way because when I first reported that this fight between you and OAM was in the works, a lot of people, including myself, we were very happy about this. We were fired up about it. It's a great fight. The other half of it was, oh, man, what happened to Dan Hooker? Because we saw all of everything that was happening on social media between the two guys. So I guess, strange. yeah, I mean, like, so I guess to, to kind of clear this up, what happened with that? Because it looked like it was all coming together. 
Um, there wasn't anything <clears throat> from the big guys in the back as far as any any developments on that. It was just something that I uh, saw my name getting kind of tossed around, and so you know I, I decided to put out, or rather, I guess, spur the fire if there was going to you know be some members sparked, and um, uh, not, nothing really came from it. And then, and truthfully, you, you know, I, I kind of just ran it back and forth and, and egged it on a little bit, but. Um, I realized Dan wasn't ranked, and then he just kind of became irrelevant to me. And I didn't really do anything besides a uh, post. And then I, I said something later on. Um, yeah, he, he just—he's kind of—he's like on the radar. He's, he's out—he's out of the loop. And so I, I don't really—I <laughs> I didn't care to spend my time on it. And it was Sean Shelby's idea. He's the one that brought up OAM to my manager, and uh, they ran it past me. Um, I saw him that he obviously just um what he TKO'd or KO'd uh Dunham with a body shot. And so uh, yeah, it's perfect. He's ranked. He's on an undefeated or I'm sorry, he's on a he's on a good I think four fight win streak. And again, most importantly, he's ranked. And so that that's that's all I wanted. The setting being in Canada's perfect too, so we could be on the main card. I mean it's the perfect build up. So I was super happy about it. Um Really, anyone doesn't make a difference to me. I just need them to be relevant and improve my value. And OAM is definitely going to do that better than Hooker does. So just at to, this current juncture of their career. So just to clarify, this fight was never presented to you. No, no, we never had. There was, there was never anything from the guys in the back. It was just back and forth, and then um, you know, media embellishments, and um, and then just his own his own little internal hype squad uh, <laughs> embellishing it. But there, there wasn't there wasn't any. Any talk from the actual UFC about it, never any contract opportunities. The first I heard was OAM from Shelby and um, for, for the Calgary card. We thought that sounded awesome. So you're not fighting Dan Hooker. He's fighting Gilbert Burns, as everyone has probably seen now. Uh, and Gilbert's another guy, along with this manager, apparently, Ali Abdulaziz. You've seemed to rub both of them the wrong way as of late as well. So are you kind of enjoying does this right now? Manager? I wonder if he has the same manager. Does he have the same manager as uh, Derek Yush? Is that what it is? Something like that. I thought I heard, I heard something to the grave about it. He might like have a connection. That's why he felt froggy. Um, <laughs> but no, both of them are again unranked and irrelevant. So they don't they don't they don't matter. But they're on the radar. And until they're in my scope of of uh, crescendo, or until they're you know a, a step I need to I need to cover to climb to the top. I'm not. I'm just not worried about them. And so um, yeah, no, it's it's good having people talk though. Certainly helps develop myself to hide the awareness of you know me so i like it i'm not mad at it one bit i know you've been you've 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 been in the octagon for 42 seconds and already you're kind of being the hunted you're being chased around right now by guys outside the top 15 (laughs) yeah that's awesome it's awesome so with all this happening, I, I know you talked about Aubin Mercier being more quote-unquote relevant. He's ranked right now. With everything happening between you and Dan, and I know you know he didn't seem relevant. He's not ranked at the time. But when Shelby did come at, come at you with the Aubin Mercier fight, because you know based on our last conversation, you were looking at a ranked guy, were you kind of surprised that was the direction they were going, You know, considering everything that was going on in social media between you guys? No, I, don't, I, I think that they are at a higher tier than just any... <laughs> any media proposition or any call out amongst fighters. I'm sure they get tagged and shit 24-7. I'm, I'm sure it's a, a nonstop, you know, at Shelby, at Shelby, at Shelby, match me, match me, match me. And so I, I don't think that they pay too much mind to it. And I think they've got probably a bigger plan in store. And so, uh, no, again, once I realized, for some reason, I thought Hooker might have been 
either about to be ranked or ranked. Or I just thought he was. I thought I thought maybe he was right there at 15, and uh, and then when I saw he wasn't, no, it didn't. Make, it wouldn't make sense for me to fight him, uh, and it wouldn't make sense for Shelby. I mean, I wouldn't even want him to present that shit to me. That's a, that, that's a bigger benefit to Hooker than it is to me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming out on on top of that. I mean, I. I guess winning's winning. It's still, I'm sure it's still eight, but I would rather again fight somebody who's got a number next to their name, just like he wants to. You know, that's why he's going to call me out. Now, I know, you know, from our last conversation, you're more of an Instagram guy, but you are new to Twitter at least from a few months ago, and now you're fighting OAM. Do you do you follow OAM on Twitter at all? Have you gotten a chance to kind of check out his Canadian gangster persona at all? No, dude, that's the biggest oxymoron of all fucking time. Canadian, it's like a jumbo shrimp. <laughs> I, um, I, don't, I, don't, I definitely. Aren't going to follow my my opponents on on Twitter or Instagram. I, I don't I don't follow anybody on Twitter because I'm never on it. Um, I do like Instagram. Uh, I'm just a aesthetics guy, I guess. I enjoy the imagery and then <laughs> snarky remarks. But um, no, I, I don't follow them. I don't. See, truthfully, I, I don't pay too much money. You know, I, I study what I need to study, and, and that's it. But um, a lot of people dwell. And, and just inhabit themselves and, you know, their opponents and their lives. And they're so concerned about what they're doing and how they can counter it. I'm just continuing to climb in my game and, and perfect my styles, and that seems to always do the job for me. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly focused on how to stay ahead. And um, in OAM or anybody else, I mean, it's, they're just not going to be prepared for, for that cadence and, and that, that skill degree. So... No, I, I haven't kept that with him. Yeah, he's just a goofball. He's not like talking trash about you or anything. He's just he's just silly. No, yeah, his social media game is pretty on player. Right now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, yeah. it's it's business right now. I mean, you're focused on getting in the cage and fighting this man, and you know, you're on a nice streak. He's on a nice streak. He's been looking good. He had that quick finish of Evan Dunham at two twenty three, like you were talking about. Under a minute it took him to do that. You know, considering the streak he's been on, and we talked about UFC two twenty three a little bit. Have you been impressed with him as of late? Uh, no, I, I think. Sure, he's a fine guy. Like you said, he seems like a pretty benign, fun dude. Might have a decent sense of humor, uh, but uh, outside of that, I don't. <laughs> I, and I, I, even trying to be humble, I, I just don't know. I don't know anything that he could bring to the table that would present itself threatening to me. And um, I, I think he's doing great in his career. I can wait on a good streak. Um, but I'm not, I'm not impressed by it. Um, sorry, I've got an alarm going off in my ear. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, my bad, brother. Uh, no, I'm, I haven't been impressed in his, in his game at all, or even in his last fights. Just, um, happy he pulled out the wins the way he did. And it's unfortunate that, you know, he's about to come to a screeching halt on this good little run he's been on. In terms of, of approach here, I mean, the mental and the physical side of things, obviously you had your debut on very short notice against Darius, and you took an opportunity, you called your shot essentially as fight week went on, and you delivered everything you said you were going to do. And, you know, you kind of went into fight week being the unknown guy. Everyone was mean mugging you, you know, at the performance institute in the cafeteria. Yeah. You, you were the new guy at school in, in, in all you know sense of the word here. But, you know, now you have a full camp, you have an opponent, you have a date. At least at the moment, you know exactly what's ahead, and he's going to approach this fight exactly the same. Does this make you more dangerous with all this extra time to prepare, all this extra time to get ready? Man, camp doesn't really mean anything to me. Uh, training camp is, is a big change of lifestyle for a lot of people. Training camp for me is maybe, you know, an extra day a week of sparring or 
um, maybe we, we tune up the intensity level just a little bit on our cardio versus our, our strength and mobility. Um, this is every day to me. I'm not – nothing's changing. Um, that's why it, it was such a, a seamless transition from, you know, an eight-day notice uh, from opponents or, you, you know, uh, um, uh, platforms. So um, I think we can expect the same for me no matter what. I'm excited that we have the time. I, I only need so much time to read this guy. I feel like I've already gone down. And everybody, you know, brings something new to the table. Uh, you know, they might evolve slightly or have nuances in their game from fight to fight. But, uh, again, I'm constantly trying to evolve, and I think I do that better than anybody else in the game. And that's the edge that I think that I bring to the table more so than anyone else. And so um, I've studied him. I kind of reopen that book every now and again, but really it's just continuing to develop myself. And I'm so fucking pedantic at that, and I'm, and I'm so critical that, you know, 12 weeks, two weeks, eight days, the result will be the same. Yeah, you mentioned something I want to kind of roll back with. You, you talked about how, you know, you, you can look up stuff he's done anytime you want. It's very easy to do. You know, you, he, you know people yeah, can find footage yeah. on you as well. I mean, they can maybe jump on YouTube, but it's, you've only logged 42 seconds of Octagon time. So right, does right. that kind of play in your favor as well? Because, you know, you can jump on UFC Fight Pass and watch his last 10 fights pretty easily. He doesn't right. really have that advantage with you. Is there still a lot of mystery about you right now heading into this fight for OAM and UFC yeah. fans in your opinion? Fuck yeah. You're right, though. That is, I, and you're right. I do have a huge advantage because all of my opponents, <laughs> as tricky as, as I can say, I'm going to be to figure out, and, and as much as I'm going to evolve from fight to fight, I mean, the facts are there's not very much footage, even of my past, that you can look at to base me on, um, other than coming out hot, being explosive. That, that's pretty much what you'll find online and, and what you'll see in that last fight. So, um, yeah, and I. Every single fight, I kind of impress myself because I do something different than, uh, completely different than what I've done in my previous fights. Or uh, it's kind of a new piece that I pull from my artillery and my arsenal, and, um, and I show it. This last fight, you know, I'm I think I'm the best at switching stances in the game and um, and making that a real fluid, seamless transition. But I, I truthfully, I didn't know I could knock somebody out with my left like I could my right. Shit, now that I know that, I'm mean, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just made, opened that door. You know, we didn't even really get to see much of my kicks. We didn't get to see any ground game. Yeah. I, I do everything. And I do everything to be the absolute best at it when I enter that room against those other competitors uh, who are professionals in that field. And so I, I think there's plenty more to find, plenty more to see. Um, but I'll keep, keep it short and simple each fight if I can. And, uh, and, and you yeah, know, continue from there. But... I got to ask you this, and I know we broke this down from start to finish and why it happened the way it happened, and it wasn't as big of a deal as people made it out to be, and I know you went on Ariel's show, the MMA Hour, and you did the same thing and talked about it, but are you still getting crap about the, 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 the glove touch thing? No, that's so far removed. Thank God. The present day matters. Um, yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. And like... Like we're saying, you know, the more footage we get to see, the more fights, the more activity I have on screen, the more we'll see how that's just kind of a, a piece of the game, me using my arm as a metric for range. They'll see a number of different starts. They'll see, a, you know, a number of different finishes, a number of different transitions throughout that fight. They'll start to get a better feel for me as a fighter and as a person. I'm an honest guy. I wouldn't I wouldn't try to uh, manipulate a fight to, like that. I, mean, I wouldn't try to manipulate someone like that. Um, and so... Um, you know, mind games, physical, <laughs> you know, manipulations <laughs> and abuse, but, but uh, no, I'm not like a, call it an audible on, on a handshake. 
Yeah, that's so, crazy. Uh, so yeah, no, that, that's far removed. It, it, it's past my any threshold of energy I care to, I care to, you know, spend on it. So uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, new topics. So I, I think I think it was the second question I asked you when we spoke a couple months ago, and it was how has life changed for you? And you said that you were still fired up, you're still kind of basking in the wind, but you were you know back to work business as usual. Now you know it's two months later, you're a rank guy about to have this huge fight. You wanted to get your team, your gym, the guys and gals who have been with you since day one. You wanted to get them some attention as well, get them some spotlight, and kind of give back in a way. Has that been trending in the right direction for you? Have you noticed a change over the last couple of months? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, a number of groups in the city have come together, which has been pretty cool. Um, like you said, my team coming together, you know, we, we've, we've always been together, but just, uh, you definitely see some new faces in the gym and, and some new hungry guys. That And that's a really cool thing, too, when people approach you and they say, you know, I saw you on TV and I'm inspired me to get up off the couch if I'm training. So we're getting some new bodies, but, but we, we have always the same hungry wolves in here, and we're always progressing. Um, I certainly get more DMs than I did before. <laughs> so, um, and outside of that, <laughs> life, life goes on pretty much the same thing. Uh, this next fight will be a huge uh, step in the, uh, in the rise to the top, though. I, it'll be a ton of, ex- ton of exposure, um, t- ton of value attained. And um, there's certainly a lot of credit given where it's due. And so I think um, I think after this fight, we'll see a much larger jump. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Dana White said that this card in Calgary was going to be, in so many words, a birthday present to himself. Like he wanted to stack this thing up really for himself. So what does that mean to you to, to be a part of this birthday vision for the president of the UFC in such a big fight like this? Yeah, that's super exciting. It's badass. I didn't even get a chance to see him last fight. Uh, and that was a little disappointing. And so uh, this will be a huge experience, a huge opportunity for both of us. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm fired up about it. It definitely um, gives me a little extra, a little extra spark or really just a little bit, a little bit extra excitement about the whole event. Um, I'm hoping I, it looks like I'll probably be the fourth one down on the card, the first one to open up that main card. And then ahead of me are three prior champs. And so that's, pretty fucking badass i'm fired <laughs> fired up about that idea so yeah i'm stoked good for dana happy birthday dude <laughs> have you been to canada before never never traveled that far north to land of maple beach um seems like a pretty pretty benign sedimentary kind of place not too much going on chill spot <laughs> i hear it's gorgeous i'm i'm a little it sucks that calgary's not really around anything dude like I was, I was like, okay, I'll go in there and check out um, Montreal or Toronto. I know uh, Vancouver's like on way other end, but all of that shit is <laughs> like a multiple hour trip from Calgary. And so I don't, I don't know what the hell. Maybe there's some nice mountains to boost. I don't know. I don't know what there's going to be to do up there, but I just know everyone's, uh, you know, according to reputation, very nice and it's pretty and they'll probably be a little chilly. But um, I'm excited to go check it out. Never heard, <laughs> never heard about any assholes in Canada. So. Well, there you go, right. there you go, yeah. and at least it's not in January, so it's that's, not going to be like yeah, minus forty. It is, it is a really nice time of the year to go. I'm sure. Have you had time? And I know we're still a couple months away from this fight happening. Have you had time to sort of visualize this thing at all? Like I know in your last fight, that vision, that yeah. confidence you've always had, but you know, kind of the yeah. result and everything you thought of came became more vivid closer to fight night. I mean, do you have a preliminary prediction or an idea oh, for this yeah, fight I yet? Fight's gonna end. Yeah, absolutely. That's I don't need 12 weeks to draw this guy. I know I already know exactly how it's going to play out. Um, 
he rolled over to my left hand, and I was slipping counter with a right hand. And if I don't knock him unconscious with a right hand, um, and I onset instead with a flurry, um, as you saw in Darush, uh, I'll break him with that flurry. I'm sure he'll desperately die for a shot. I'll stuff it, and we'll proceed to gorilla fuck him on the ground. <laughs> and, and so if uh, worst-case scenario, that's how that'll play out. But I'm calling the right. I'm calling the right. Well, there you go. Uh, last question before we, we let you plug away here. You know, obviously you talked about three former champions fighting right after you and headlining that event is the highly anticipated rematch between Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alvarez and two guys that I'm sure at this point and maybe even before so that you've been thinking about is your future on hold. So who do you like in that one? Um, I don't know, man. Both those guys are, just to be polite, set in their way. You know, it doesn't really matter who the fuck wins because they're both just going to be somewhere between three and six for the remainder of their career till they retire. And so they can fight each other, you know, best out of fucking five matches, and I'm sure they'll split pretty close to even, two and three, and, and then, you know, one will fall into the third spot, one will fall into the fourth spot, and I'll step over both of them. I think that they're both um, hit the plateau they're going to hit. They're both pretty equivalent fighters. If I had to give an edge to anybody, um, probably Portier, just because he's uh, taken a few less licks, I'd say, in his last fight or two. And so uh, I think Poirier's probably got the edge of just having a, a fresher head on his shoulders. Um, and that's why I'd give it to him. But that's a sad reason to give a fight to anybody. Yeah, Eddie's got a lot going on. He's got that contract situation and everything heading into this one. He's kind of you know, risking everything for himself. He's... He's taking a chance, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's a high-profile fight. I'm sure you know the loser's still going to be okay at the end of it. Um, you know, at that at that level, I doubt they make a cut that severely, but maybe, as you say. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it'll be, it'll be it'll be a fun card to watch. All three of those fights are going to be awesome. The Aldo Stevens fights going to be really interesting. That one's sure for you. My, the fight I'm most interested to watch. Yeah, I, I love that fight. That's a great one, especially, I mean, look at Jeremy Stevens. The guy lost a couple fights, lost to Frankie Edgar, and now all of a sudden he's just on this tear right now. The lost to Moicano. Roll, look yeah. at him. This is great he's stuff. Thunderous roll and all those, uh, you know, I hate to say it, on a, on a decline. And so it, it'll be pretty interesting. It'll be pretty interesting. I love Aldo, and I'm, I'm a little, I'm scared for him. I'm a little nervous for him in this fight. Steven is on a thunderous roll. Absolutely, Alex. It means a lot, man. You're a busy guy. You have a big fight ahead of you, and you're in training. And I appreciate you taking some time and chatting with me once again. Before we get out of here, man, anything else you want to get off your chest for the fans about the fight? Where to find it? Follow you on the web. Shout outs. Yeah, Take the floor, man. Yeah. yeah, please support. Always love the support. Uh, at the great 155 on any media platform. Check out Ahana Academy and check out my boy at Try and Strength and Conditioning. That pretty much covers the coaches right there. I thank you for having me on the show again, man. Appreciate talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you again, Alex. All the best in training. We'll talk soon, man. All right, so that was Alex Hernandez. He's going to fight Olivia Aubin-Mercier coming up this Saturday, UFC on Fox 30. They're going to kick off the main card on Fox. That's a great fight. I am very excited for that one. So that was throwback interview number one. I mean, it's not really a throwback because it is talking about this fight, but we got another great chat with John McDessie. He's going to fight Ross Pearson on Saturday in the featured bout on UFC Fight Pass for this card in Calgary. And I'm looking forward to this one as well. This one has fireworks written all over it. So let's talk to John McDessie. This conversation took place last month. It's great stuff. I will tell you that at certain points in this conversation, John McDessie is in the basement at the gym and things kind of 
audio-wise. He kind of comes in and out at certain points early on, but I just want to warn you guys ahead of time. So here is my chat with John McDessie. All right, welcome back to the show. Joining me right now, he's going to take on Ross Pearson, July 28th, UFC on Fox 30 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This card is shaping up to be something special, and this fight should be a scrap for sure. Being joined by John McDessie for the very first time on the program. John, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So, big fight in Calgary coming up in July. Like I said, this is a really good card. Dana White even said that he's calling this one his own little personal birthday present to himself. So, how excited are you to get back in there in Canada and face a veteran like Ross Pearson? I'm very excited. You know, I'm always happy to fight in my hometown, in my home country. Um, I'm very privileged to, to uh, you know, I feel that uh, my style and Ross Pearson's style, you know, it's uh, set for fireworks. So, I'm very excited. It's got to feel good knowing that, you know, like I said, this is Dana White has has proclaimed this card to be a little personal birthday present to himself. So it's got to feel pretty good that you're going to be on this card fighting for something, you know, like this. And Dana White's pretty much putting this card together himself, so to speak. To be honest with you, I had no idea. That's what he said. That's that's what he said. I have no idea. That's that's what he said. So it's pretty interesting. Pretty funny that that's what he said. It's a birthday card. When is his birthday? I think it's either the day before or the day of the card. You know what? That's Dana's last birthday. You know what? It's a good thing booming. Yeah, I'm bad with birthdays. I don't remember my uh, <laughs> family's birthday sometimes. But uh, just just for that, I'm going to make it very special for Dana White. I'm going to say something after the fight for him. Oh, there you go. So one of the interesting things about you is you have found your way to Rufus Sport. And this is your second fight being a part of that team. Is that right? Correct. Obviously, that's a hell of a team. Duke Rufus is one of the best coaches in the game, if not the very best coach in the game right now. How did that all happen for you to make that move to Rufus Sport? Um, well, it's simple, you know. <clears throat> obviously, everybody knows me as, uh, you know, uh, hometown Montreal, Canada. Obviously, home, home of TriStar, TriStar Gym, Dora St. Pierre, and all the all the Canadian fighters. Uh, I tried making a career, you know. I'm, I was loyal to Montreal. I was born there, raised there. Um, my family is there, you know, close to my family. And uh, I just saw something was missing, something that, you know, I was a hard time connecting with that place. And <laughs> he connected me to the office. And, uh, you know, I myself, I go to war, I'll be with somebody that kind of understands my mentality, understands the fighting business. And uh, I, I truly believe right now, my stage of my career, uh, I feel like Duke Rufus is the man to take me to the next level. You know, I've been talking to a lot of fighters recently, especially in 2018, and a lot of fighters are, you know, instead of sticking in one spot forever like you were doing, you know, they want to go out and travel and get different looks, spread their wings a little bit, and kind of get a different perspective on things and get a different perspective on the sport. And it seems like you found a lot of comfort there, like you just said, but, you know, you've been in the game for a little while now. What are some of the things you've learned training with Duke and everybody over there that you may not have realized were out there? but. <clears throat> The thing, the thing about the sport is, I feel like it's still constantly growing. You know, um, as much as I, feel, you know, I, I've been loyal to, I, I've been under contract with UFC since 2010, almost. Oh, I'm losing you. <clears throat> yeah, do you hear me? Yep, much better. Yeah, sorry about that because the bad reception. Nah, it's all good, man. <laughs> uh, I just feel that it takes time. It, it, it really, for me personally, it took time for me to mature. 
to to develop my skills and to really build confidence in 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 the in the sport. You know what I mean? And uh, when you're surrounded by all-star players, it kind of it's kind of hard for me to kind of build my own character, build my own skill set. You know, being at Tristar, you know, everybody knows Tristar, George St. Pierre, and everything is surrounded by him. You know? I never really had the attention that I needed. You know, Duke Rufus and Rufus which is smaller quality, great bunch of guys. We hear kind of nobody tries to copy. You know, everybody tries to work as a team together. Everybody tries to build on their. So it's, it's kind of hard to explain. You know, you really have to live it. You need to understand fighters. You know, it has nothing to do with um, the gym or the coaching. It's, it's, all, it's all about chemistry. It's all about chemistry. It's all about connection. Uh, it's more deeper than what the, the visible eye can, can, can comprehend. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fighter, so it's it's great to hear that perspective and, and get a view on things. And now you get to fight Ross Pearson, and you said you've been in the UFC since 2010, and I can't believe that he's been in the UFC since 2009. I mean, is it crazy for you to think about that? Like, you've been in the UFC since 2010. Like, has this time just flown by for you at this point? I try not. To, I really try not to think about it, you know. It's one of those things where it's, hard, it's kind of hard, you know, it's kind of hard, hard to uh, to figure out, right? So when you got the call that, that that you're getting Ross, I mean, two veterans in the sport, about as wily as it gets here, as far as the UFC goes. When you got the call that Ross is going to be the guy, how did you initially react to that? Honestly, I feel that uh, I feel that I fought championship fighters. You know what I mean? If you look, if you look at my history of fighting, you know I fought guys who were champions in lower promotion promotions. You know what I mean? So Ross Pearson is another champion. You know he. He, uh, you know, has a lot of experience. He's a great, kid, good striking stance. You know, he has a, uh, he has a lot of. Uh, he fought the top, top fighters in the 155 division. You know, I fought the fight. I fought top fighters in one, 155 division. So uh, you know, it's going to be a top. You know, it's going to be a very uh, tough competition. It's, uh, it's going to be a big test for me. Heading into your last fight, you were out of the octagon for a little over a year. I know you're supposed to fight Sage Northcutt at UFC 214 last summer, but you guys both suffered injuries, and that fight never came to fruition. But before that, you had that fight with Lando Venata, and we all know what happened there. And but you bounced back, and you beat Abel Trujillo. And you know, like we talked about, I'm not a fighter, but the mindset of you amazing athletes is just so fascinating to me. So. I'm curious, after that Venata fight, did it take a while for you to get past that one, or were you able to move on pretty quickly from that one? Well, the thing is about that fight, you know, I mean, obviously, no excuses. He was the better better man that night. You know, I, I just got caught, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, you, you put this guy nine out of ten times, you know, I really doubt he's going to catch him with that kick. You know, it's a fighting business, you know what I mean? It's that it's the mentality, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, you know. Uh, it was a learning experience. But that has nothing to do with the actual fight. It was for me, like for me, it was. Always, I'm, I'm, I'm very. Uh, I'm a mental fighter. For me, it was important to be surrounded by people that actually care about me and not just look at me as a fighter. So it was. A, it was a combination of uh, trying to find a good structure, trying to find good people to surround myself with. You know. So was that was that kind of like the the straw that broke the camel's back that kind of inspired the move to to Rufus Sport at the end of this uh, at the end of that fight? Well, yeah, of course. You know, like in any relationship, you know, what I mean, there's only so much one person can do. You know, it takes two sides. <clears throat> it takes two sides to make a relationship work. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm not. You know, I try to be loyal as much as I can to TriStar Montreal, but uh, at the end of the day, 
uh, you know, I also, you know, being a fighter, uh, being a fighter, you know, it's, it's a very tough world, you know, I mean, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna take that, nobody's gonna watch my back more than myself, you know what I mean? Uh, so, that being said, <clears throat> you know, it's, um, you know, I had to do, I had to do, I, I, I had to do a hard move, you know what I mean? Because deep down inside, I never wanted to leave Montreal, my home, my comfort zone, you know, I mean, everything that I've been doing now, it's been, it's been a test to my, uh, it's been a test to my will because traveling, being somewhere far away from home, you know, it hasn't been easy, but it's something that I feel like I have to do to grow as an individual and as a martial artist. So when you came back and you got that win over Abel, how vindicating was that for you? I mean, you were coming off that loss. You made the, like you said, the bold move, the the very tough move to, to try a new thing, go to Rufus Sport. You get the victory. How vindicating was that for you? Well, um, well, I mean, obviously, you saw the performance I did. Oh yeah. Did you see the fight? Yeah. <clears throat> so basically, you know, I think that uh, it was a, it was a small move. I feel that it re- it sparked me. I feel that Rufus uh, did. He uh, he remotivated me. He uh, brought that back the fire inside of me, and he, he just pretty much making me remind me who who, the, who I am. You know, as you continue to evolve in the sport, and I mean, anyone who says being a professional fighter is easy is just is just dumb. Like, they're just dumb. But what are some of the things that motivate you in this game at this point? Like, is family really important to you? And if so, do you get a lot of strength and motivation from your family in fighting? Yeah, of course. I mean, motivation for me, it's, uh, it's a combination of stuff, you know. A little, bit for, a little bit for me, it's my legacy. For me, I want to be known as one of the best, one of the most exciting fighters in the, in the, in the world. You know, there's a reason why I keep it standing, you know what I mean? People underestimate my wrestling, people underestimate my, my ground game, but, uh, you know, I'm a well-rounded fighter, but uh, I try to make it exciting for the fans. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, I try to take risks when I'm in there. <clears throat> I'm always trying to make it exciting, so it can always work both ways. That's cool. And, and as far as family goes, do, do they motivate you as well? Do they kind of keep pushing you forward in that way as well? I mean, you know, my family, I don't come from a fighting family, so, I mean, they're always, you know, it's uh, something that it's, I'm a little bit different. Like, uh, you know, uh, my brothers, sisters, my family, they don't really understand. I mean, you know, it's, it's normal. Their family, they're nervous before fights. You know what I mean? It's, it's a stressful, nervous thing, but but uh, it's something that uh, I feel like fighting chose me. Well, that's good. I mean, at least they, they get the support system. It may not be a fighting family, but at least they they have that belief in you to to do what you're doing, and that's great, to become one of the most exciting fighters in the world, and I think you're on your way to that anyways, and people can argue that you're up there anyways, but, you know, we still have a month and change to go before this fight happens with Ross. Uh, do you like having long camps like, camps, like having a plan in place to go through it step by step, or do you kind of find yourself at this point in the game getting a little bit antsy, ready to fight, and time just moves really slow for you to get there, you know what I mean? See the thing. The, the funny part is, me. Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, I'm, I'm a type of. I'm an endurance athlete, meaning I like. I like when I have longer camps because it build up the, the hype, you know. Because you need to build up hype. You know what I mean? It's important. So uh, I'm very. Uh, I like that. You know what I mean? Twelve, twelve weeks camp. <clears throat> I feel that it gives me enough time to visualize mentally, physically prepare myself to my best ability. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, when they give me a, when they give me a short notice fights, you know what I mean? Obviously, we have to take them because we're fighters, you know, but, uh, but more of the guys, uh, I like long duration. How do you feel you match up with Ross? Obviously, putting you two guys together, you guys are both great strikers, it has fireworks written all over, like you said, but what are some of the advantages you feel you have heading into this fight? You know, I never understand my opponent. <clears throat> Pearson, I find that, you know, he's, he's a, 
be top competitors. You know, guys like Paul Felder, guys like he, he fought Edson Barboza. He fought top competitors. So he's a big guy. I know he's big. He goes. He fluctuates. My my advantage is my unpredictability. The, the moment I feel relaxed, the moment I can play. For me, it's all about having fun. The moment John Jesse is happy, he's having fun. He's beautiful. That's the most. That's the dangerous. The moment John becomes flat-footed, when I like when I fought Donald Cerrone, I was there. Too, I, I was fighting too much with my emotions. I was I had a lot of anxiety. I was uh, had a, a lot of pressure to notice fighting almost for title contention at that time. A lot of stress, you know. I mean, when I feel under stress, I don't perform. But when I fight happy and relaxed, I'm the most dangerous fighter. That makes sense. No, I understand that completely. So I guess I guess my next question is, how much fun do you plan on having in Calgary? Is it too early to ask for a for an, an official John McDessie prediction here? Yeah, I mean, my my, my thing is this: blood, sweat, and tears. Like my, I'm ready to die. Like I'm. In, everyone knows. Anyone knows. I'm an intense individual. I'm training very hard for this fight. So you know, I'm not. Uh, you know, my prediction is I'm gonna. My my prediction is I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna give it everything couple more things before I let you go. I have to ask you about this because it was discussed a bunch several months ago, and he actually came on here and gave us his side of things because he had a guest blog series with us here at Fansided. And talking about the situation between you and Mickey Gov, I mean, of course, you had things to say. He had things to say about you. You weren't obviously happy with him. He wasn't all that happy with you. Have you guys conversed since then? Like, have you guys buried this thing at all? Or is there still, still some uh, lingering hostility there? Well, me, me personally, I don't really remember what he said. I forgot about this guy. I, I you know, like, I had what, two, three fights in the UFC. And me, personally, his thing, right? me, in the, you know, in the gym, you know, um, he came to TriStar. I was in Tri, I, I was, you know, I was at TriStar in the early times before it got blown up, before a lot of, you know, before TriStar became popular, you know. And uh, when it was smaller, low-key quality, you know, then Tristar got blown up. You know what I mean? So meaning, meaning, so the guys come from outside, come to the gym, and then the guy, then they go hard in training. You know what I mean? So Mickey Gell was one of those guys. You know, he, his first day coming, it's his first day he comes to the gym. He's fresh. I've been training hard. I'm depleted, cutting weight. I have a fight coming, and I tell the guy, I tell the guy, you know. I have a fight somewhere, but I'm going easy. We're going through the motion. It wasn't like, uh, you know what I mean? It, it was just his character, the way, you know what I mean? The guy was much bigger than me. And at the end of the day, it's like this. You know, everybody in the gym, you know, everybody in the gym wants to show how good they are, how tough they are. But for me, it was not the, for me, it's all about what counts is under the, under the lights. You know what I mean? Where it counts in the, in the octagon. So I was just a little disappointed the way how he handle himself, you know what I mean? But there is no, uh, I mean, after that uh, incident, I never spoke to him again, so I have no idea exactly. Uh, I don't really care, and I don't really uh, have no, uh, nothing negative to say about it. It's just just one of those learning experiences where you can't really trust, uh, it's hard to find a training partner that's going to try to injure you in in the gym. Well said, John. Spoken like a true professional. Um, before we let you go, man, it was great having you on the show, first of all, for the first time as you get ready to face Ross Pierce, and I'm really looking forward to that fight uh, at about five weeks from right now, UFC on Fox 30. Before we get out of here, anything you want to let the folks know about, where to follow you on the internet, shout-outs, anything you want to get off your chest here, please take the floor. Yeah, man. Uh, I just want to, you know, 
I want to thank all my loyal fans throughout my career. I want to thank you for giving me the time. Uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at John McDessie. I'm trying to call myself as John Wayne McDessie, my full name. Lebanese Heritage, I'm fighting for Lebanese pride. Try to get uh, the Lebanese community behind me. <clears throat> I dedicated myself to martial arts at six years old. Uh, so, you know what I mean? With this whole, uh, you know, everybody's you know, now with this whole social media thing getting blown up and how fighters are getting underpaid because of popularity. Uh, you know, I think to God that, the, the, you know, when it comes to the, you know, how the fighters make money, how the fighters survive, how we're living, you know what I mean? I hope it changes uh, throughout the years. To, uh, you know, you know. Hopefully, the sport evolves, gets better. We get more protected. The, the fighters have better protection. You know what I mean? And you know, not just with the how we get paid, but in all aspects of the game. You know, what I mean, people have no idea how hard it is to to not only win in the UFC, to actually make a living. Now, that being said, um, you know, I just uh, stay tuned. July 28th is going to be exciting. I might as well ask you about this because you just you just said something that clicked with me a little bit. Obviously, Dana White's talking about bringing back the weigh-ins at 4 o'clock. W- what are your thoughts on that? I've not heard one fighter saying they prefer the afternoon weigh-ins. Obviously, are you a morning weigh-in guy? The afternoon weigh-ins, does it matter to you at all? Well, here's the thing, you know. Um, I'm a natural 155er. Like, I don't really... I'm not a big 155er, obviously, as you know. <clears throat> so, I mean, 4 o'clock gives guys more time to lose cut weight. That's, I mean, that's the only thing I see as a difference. Um... Because there's no more IV and all these dietary, you know, because of Wasada and the strict uh, testing, you know, a lot of guys. I, I mean, personally, like, I, I, there's so many, there's so many ways guys trick or manipulate their their body weight to cut dramatically, you know, get 20, 30 pounds advantage on fight night. For me, it's phenomenal. It's crazy when I, it, 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 it's, uh, you know, it's crazy when I hear that. Like, I truly believe. For the fighters' protection, they should implement like boxing rules, you know, where you be in the day before and you cannot exceed X amount of pounds on, on. You know, I think that it's honestly, me personally, it makes no difference. Four o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the afternoon, I mean, it makes no difference. Obviously, obviously, you have more time to hydrate, more time to relax, more time to eat versus four o'clock. But really, it doesn't make no difference, to be honest. With you. Well, that's good. I mean, I think a lot of fighters should kind of fight in the same style that you are. I mean, you're a natural 155-er, and you're fighting at 155. A lot of these guys are, you know, that are natural 155-ers want to drop to 145, maybe 135. So I, I think you're obviously doing it safe, and I, th- I don't think the weight cut and what time you weigh in even makes a difference, like you just said. So uh, thank you for that insight, John. Uh, it was it was great talking to you. Hope to do it again sometime, and wish you all the best as you get ready to fight Ross Pearson on July 28th in Calgary, man. Thank you again. Thank you very much. All right, there is John McDessie. Getting ready to take on Ross Pearson in the featured UFC Fight Pass prelim fight on Saturday in Calgary. That's going to be an awesome fight on an awesome card. And continuing on this awesome card, joining me right now is going to take on the former UFC women's strawweight champion, Ioanni and Jacek, this Saturday night, UFC on Fox 30 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's a loaded card, and this is one of the fights that have had a lot of people talking since it was announced. We're being joined by Tisha Torres right now. Tisha, how are you? I'm great. Good morning. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for joining me so close to the fight. I, I really appreciate the time here. We're just a few days away. You versus Joanna. She had such a dominant run as the women's strawweight champion. She had a couple of losses to Rose Namajunas along the way. And now it's you and her in Calgary this Saturday night. How are you feeling? How excited are you for this opportunity? Oh, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm super confident just ready to get in there and get it done already. You're in an inter- interesting position because you had won three in a row, and after Rose beat Ioana the first time, we weren't really sure what direction the division would really head. So Ioana gets another shot at the belt, and you get Jessica Andrade, and you had a nice start to that fight, but ultimately the fight didn't go your way. But now you get this huge fight on a huge card. When this fight was presented to you, when Ioana was the name, how did you react to that? Um, I don't know. Like I, I didn't see Ioana being my name, the, the next name, so that, that surprised me because I, you know, I came off that loss, but um, it is what it is at this point. You know, I'm top five, been top five, and you gotta fight everyone, and everyone be able to beat them to get that title shot. So she was the next girl they presented, and you know, me and my team, we took the fight, and uh, ten weeks later, we're ready to go in there. And- I know you have trained with Rose Namajunas a few times and reading some articles. It, it doesn't look like you've been picking her brain about Ioana and how to beat her because, I mean, frankly, you're two different fighters, two different sets of skills. But I'm sure you went back and watched the two fights she had with Ioana. Were you able to take a lot away from those fights as far as what you can do to utilize what you bring to the table? Oh, yeah. Um, Rose, you know, had great green plans going into both her fights with Ioana and she was able to get it done. And for myself, you know, I am a different fighter and there will be different things that I need to do to secure my win on uh, Saturday night, so um, that's what I plan on doing. I don't think. Ioana has lost two in a row now, and she obviously has that name. She's very synonymous with the women's strawweight division, with the title, you know, the, the, the kind of the run she had with the belt, even though she isn't wearing it currently. Is this the best time to fight her, in your opinion? Uh, it doesn't matter whenever I fight her. She's going to be hungry to, to get her belt back, and when if she does get her belt back one day, uh, or not her belt, sorry, get her belt <laughs> back one day, um, <clears throat> She'll be hungry to keep it since she's lost it, you know, and hasn't had it in her last two fights. But uh, I think that I'm fighting her, you know, at a great time, you know, going in there and securing a third loss for her and showing that she still isn't the unbeatable little blinky man she called herself um, will be really awesome. And it's just a great, you know, victory to put on my resume. We've seen fighters in the past go on a losing streak, and more times than not, there's really two trains of thought here. I mean, do you see Ioana having a mentality towards desperation here, or do you feel like she'll change some things up, be a little more tactical, and throw some surprises your way? Um, I, I'm ready for it all. I, you know, anything can happen, so all of those options are, are readily available. In my mind, she might come in there and do something completely different than she's done in the past. I don't think there's really desperation. I think she's smarter than that. Um, so, yeah, I think she'll come in there with a game plan, but... Um, We'll see what it is. One of the things people have noticed heading into this fight is she has been really quiet in the lead-up here. I mean, she was very vocal heading into the first fight with Rose. She took a bit of a step back heading into the second fight. And you're not much of a trash talker yourself. You're not someone who really plays into that game. But are you surprised she's been so quiet, or do you think she's kind of been humbled up a little bit? Um, I am surprised she's been quiet. And maybe she has been humbled up a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. I'm grateful that none of the trash talking has happened because like you said, I'm not into that at all. But uh, we'll see how she acts, you know, when we do our media face-offs and do our normal face-offs this week. But uh, whatever she wants to do, whatever, <laughs> I'm not scared. So she can bring it. When you look at her skill set and you compare it to yours, the work you've put in the last several weeks to get ready for this fight, what advantages do you see heading into it? Uh, I, I believe that I've put in work the last, you know, 10 years in my career for this fight. Yeah, even though it's not a title, it's a non-title fight. You know, fighting a former champion, someone who reigned dominant for, I think, five defenses. So uh, 
to me, it, it, it's just as big as a title fight. Um, and implications could come from this fight at win over her. Um, so I, I lost the train of thought for your question right now. So ask that question again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what advantages do you see tactfully heading into this fight? Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, uh, if I'm being realistic about things, I, I think uh, striking-wise, uh, we're both pretty equal in that department. And then uh, I, I believe that um, I'm going to match her speed or even be faster than her strength, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all day me. Do you feel like you're being overlooked in a way? I mean, not necessarily by Joanna, but there are some places, some some sites, some lines that have you as high as a 3-1 to one underdog heading into this fight. Do you feel like the MMA community, the odds makers, are in a way looking past you here? Oh, I don't care. None of that bothers me. I, I don't look into the odds and all that crap. At the end of the day, it's me and Joanna fighting, and whatever they say it doesn't really matter. That's not how the fights will play out. How has this camp been, and did you do anything different this time around? I mean, you've been in some big fights before, but this one is probably the biggest in terms of profile. Did this training camp feel different at all? Um, yeah, I'm just more mentally and physically prepared than I've been. Um, I started seeing a sports psychologist that's been helping me a lot, uh, and uh, I, I just I truly believe that going in there, uh, I'm going to wreck ship, and everybody's going to be surprised. Yeah, I was talking, uh, I've talked to a lot of fighters who, who've gone the sports psychologist route and it's really helped them out. It's, it's really helped them with visualization from, from start to finish. What are some of the things that you've learned since working with the sports psychologist? The big thing and takeaway that I've uh, gotten for that is just my confidence, my overall confidence has grown um, because, you know, I, I do believe in myself that sometimes it's hard. We're in a hard sport with a lot of great athletes, but uh, um, just having that and having the reassurance from somebody else outside of my fight, you know, my fight camp outside of the cow telling me this or my coach is telling me that. Uh, just the true belief. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of um, mental preparation, mental, like, mind games and stuff like that or mind preparation you do on your own. And then, you know, you go and see her and you tell her how it went and stuff and just changing up a couple things in my even practices, how I would usually have them run. Um, I changed up some things, and uh, I don't want to say it was, whatever. But I, whatever I did, it helped me throughout my practices and to become a better athlete for my coaches, too. Because sometimes I can be stubborn. <laughs> Is working with a sports psychologist, like like if you have someone in your camp that's coming up about to turn pro, or, or was that something you would recommend to them? Oh, um, I mean, if they can afford it. It's really <laughs> If you can afford it, I'd say hell yeah, because uh, it definitely does help you. I don't think it's something that you need necessarily for life or anything like that, but um, during a certain period of time, um, if you use it, I think it, it helps, especially going to something as big as maybe making you know, the transition from amateur to pro. But it's not something I think you need every fight. Fair enough. I mean, with this fight with Joanna, and I know you touched on it briefly, but does this feel like a title eliminator opportunity for you? I mean, one would assume Andrade will probably get the next shot here. I mean, it's a fresh matchup, but you and Rose have a bit of history. You've split two fights. If you go out there and put out a great performance on Saturday against the former champion, will that be enough to earn you a shot at the belt, whether it be Rose's next title defense or, or after that? Uh, I believe it could be, so I, I, I don't know. Um, I really thought Andrade deserved the title fight after she beat me, but I saw recently that she's fighting Carolina in Dallas. So I don't know what the UFC is thinking right now. Or if Rose is taking time off, uh, I don't know. Um, and it really doesn't matter. I, I just want to go in there and you know do my thing, get a big victory, and then from there we'll see what happens. Uh, so I'm not you know um, putting my eggs in one basket to try to get that after this fight. I just really want to go in there and get back on my winning streak. You're not looking that far ahead. You're just focused on Saturday right now. 
Yeah, yeah. You have a, a really great support system. Uh, you have a lot of fans. Of course, you have Raquel who continuously sings your praises. How important is that support, that camaraderie throughout Fight Week and heading into this one? Oh, I love all the support that I've gotten from fans and from my team and from Raquel and my family. Um, there's been fans, you know, who called me since day one, since uh, I was an amateur and who still are there for me. Um, and there's some people, you know, who go off the van wagon, but that's all right. Um, but I know that I have a true group of, of people behind me that really believe in me no matter what, win or lose. They're always going to be Team Tiny. And that's awesome to know that, you know, I have that support. And to know how much people I inspire, like getting messages and comments from them, it really is humbling and it allows me to just continue to do what I love because it, it is helping somebody out there. That's great. And, you know, you don't strike me as one who goes out and makes bold predictions or anything, but do you see this thing playing out in a certain way on Saturday night? Yeah, my hand raised. <laughs> if, if, if I could like be a genie in a bottle, a submission win. Oh, I like it. And final question for me, and I like to ask this question because this sport has so many intangibles, so many different directions, but if you could point out one thing that will make the difference here, something you will bring to the table that she cannot match in any way, what would that be? That she cannot match in any way. Fuck. <laughs> I can bring something to the table that she cannot match in any way. What, what is it? Uh, y'all are getting me when I just woke up. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm just a totally different fighter than she's fought anybody before. Like I'm small and super fast, in and out movement. Uh, it, 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 she's just gonna have to learn to, to that she's that I'm gonna match her speed. I think that's the one thing that she's gonna be surprised with because she's fast, but I'm freaking super fast and I move and. I'm not going to stand in front of her and let her tee off 20 punches on me. Was that was that Raquel in the room? That's me talking, but yeah, that's Raquel in the room. She's she's laying beside me. She was trying. She was trying to coach you through that one. I'm sorry that we got you with that question so early in the morning. I answer, so I was looking at her. She's, she's she's still waking up. She's a slower runner than me in the morning. <laughs> Well, Tisha, thank you for that. And thank you, Raquel, as well, for, for, for hopping in there. But it means a lot for you to come on so close to the fight as you get ready to take on Yoni and Jacek this Saturday night in Calgary, UFC on Fox 30. Dana White considers this his birthday card, and you're on the main card, and I'm very excited for it. Thank you so much, and all the best to you heading into the fight on Saturday. All right, there she is, Tisha Torres, everybody. Good stuff from her. We caught her just when she was waking up, and, well, that's what happens sometimes. So I want to thank her for coming on as she gets ready to take on Yoani and Jacek, everybody. And I, I got to be honest, I totally forgot about Jessica Andrade fighting Karolina Kovalkiewicz in Dallas. There's so much news going on. There's so much of a cycle going on right now. I can't remember everything, but I think this kind of raises the stakes a little bit more, doesn't it? I mean, if Rose can go out there and have a fantastic performance against Yoani and Jacek, the former longtime champion, she might just jump the line here despite losing to Jessica Andrade. So maybe the stakes have been raised just a little bit. And I didn't even think about it. Big opportunity for her on Saturday. All right, let's hear from the other half of this huge women's strawweight fight. Let's hear from the former UFC women's strawweight champion. Let's hear from Ioana and Jacek, who is on the phone right now. Ioana, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Good to hear you. Good to hear you as well. You're in Th- such a good mood, huh? I try, you know. It's 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 raining here in Massachusetts, but we're trying our best to, to get through oh, it and really? stay positive. Yeah. That's that bad, but yesterday was was raining in Calgary as well, but today is very sunny and I want to get... Uh, on the tower, so yeah, I'm super excited. All right, I'll super try. <laughs> we'll try to get you. Yeah. Try to keep it short and sweet, so we can get you out there. But I want to thank you so much for the time today. I, I like really to appreciate talk, it. But, yeah, let's do this fast. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah. you and Tisha Torres are going to fight on Saturday night in Calgary, and this is for you the first time in a long time that a belt will not be on the line in your fight. Does this feel different to you? Is it a strange feeling? No, because uh, I wanna, I wanna. Um, no, because uh, I'm fighting Tisha Torres. I'm fighting here in Calgary three months, a little bit more than three months after my last fight, because I wanna make this weight. Uh, to the bed again, and I will have this bed very soon, very soon. Sooner or later, I will have this bed. Not only having about the dreams and goals, it's all about making the way, working hard, feel the pressure, feel the discipline, and get to the point where you want to be. People, they they dreaming, they have a goal, but they are not willing to put on work. I am. That's why I'm here today. That's why I will take over the uh, the show on Saturday. The last time we saw you, you had the rematch with Rose Nami Yunus. It was a great fight, and you lost the unanimous decision back in April. And here you are a little over three months later getting ready for this fight. How important was it for you to get back on the horse right away and fight following that fight with Rose? After after the fight, I said that I don't want to think and talk about the UFC for next month. But honestly, after a week, after I was back to Florida, I said with Dan Lambert, my coaches, uh, my coaches, they see me preparing they know how I feel when I'm weighing 125 and when I'm 115 and how the weight has impact my body but I don't care because I'm the real queen of the strawy division and I will get this belt back and I was the, such a dominant champion for a reason and uh, the point is that I chose to stay here to to be on diet for the whole camp for so many weeks Make a weight. I'm weighing 120 pounds today. The weight that I, I'm not gonna hit even the weight that you know. T- t- tomorrow probably I wake up 118, 119, and on, on, on Friday I wake up 116, 115, 116. So the point is uh, that uh, UFC, Dana, people, I'm still the champion for all of them. Not only for myself. But they want me to be back. They want me to hold the belt physically. But even now, without having the belt physically, I'm still the champion for so many people. And this is what I matter about. This is what I love about. And uh, they want me to be back. And I put on great performance, good camp, hard camp, uh, lots of tears, sweat, and blood. But for a reason, to take over that night on Saturday in Calgary, beat Tisha Torres so badly, so much. And take the title shot again. Take the chance to fight for a title and win this belt with no, with no like doubt. That's why I'm back. You, you you briefly talked about it. Was there any discussions about you going to 125? Was it even was it even discussed at all between you and your team? Of course, but we're thinking more. We're thinking more about my health and how I prepare. How stronger I am. It makes a big difference, you know. But that's my house. The strawweight division is my house. I used to run this division. I'm still running this division. I used to be a champion for almost three years. So that, 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 that's the point. So first of all, I must get uh, what, what belongs to me, and then I will move up. Tisha was someone who was knocking on the door a couple of times, didn't quite get to you in a shot at the belt, but over the years, as competitive as you are, is Tisha someone you were paying attention to, knowing that eventually you and her would square off in the octagon? I don't know if you noticed that, but I like to plan my life. I like to plan my fighting career, you know? And uh, I don't wait. It's, it's not only about having a dreams and goals. It, it's all about making the way uh, to work your ass hard, to make it happen, to make it real. And this is what I'm doing. People are dreaming. People are wishing. 
but they're not willing to put on work. And my plan it was like, if I'm going to stay in 115, give me Tisha Torres, because she's like right behind Jessica Andrade, who is going to fight for a title. But what I'm hearing that Rosna Mayunas is injured and she, uh, Jessica Aguilar cannot fight for the best. So uh, Tisha Torres just lost to, to Andrade. So it's the best way to beat Tisha Torres and go for the best. And no doubt, no doubt about it. Did this seem like the perfect fight for you to get back on track with? Of course. It is. Tisha Torres is a very good fighter, a uh, very strong fighter, uh, very explosive. But I'm totally different class. You can watch the, uh, other, uh, other, other throwaway fights, and you cannot even compare this fight to my fight. How fast I am, how strong I am, how powerful I am, how creative I am. One thing Tisha has been saying is that you are a well-rounded fighter, but she is more well-rounded than you are. She has a deeper skill set than you do. How do you feel about this matchup? What's her, what's her legacy? What's her legacy? They're all just talking, talking and talking. They, they're just saying like they're, they're the best, they're better. What's she earning in her life, in her fighting career? I don't know if people know that, but I've been in this business for 15 years. 100 Muay Thai fights and few boxing fights, six times World Muay Thai champion, five times European Muay Thai champion. And I was a champion, UFC champion, for almost three years. When you look at the Who last... Who is the real deal? Who is the real deal? <laughs> you know, one of the things that I found interesting, and I asked Tisha about this a few moments ago, is you've been relatively quiet heading into this fight. Is this just kind of built up over the last several weeks and you kind of just saved it for this week? Quiet. Quiet. I will let my fist talk on <laughs> Saturday. I will see her tomorrow at the media day and face-off. I will see her after tomorrow. And I will get, to, I will get her to this point. When they will close the door in the octagon on Saturday, she will think like, what what I'm doing? What am I doing here? Because the door will be locked, and there is not going to be way to escape. That's the point. When you look at the last nine months she can or so, say whatever she wants. <laughs> she can say whatever she wants to say. I don't care about. When you look at the last nine months or so heading into this fight, how do you view this one? I mean, this is one of those terms that gets thrown out a lot in sports. But do you feel like this is a must-win fight for you on Saturday? must win every fight is must win but the most important thing is like prepare in this business in this sport uh, it's bad because you cannot you cannot take second place you win or you lose and people call you winner or loser but she is no loser we both prepare on the same level we both preparing for the uh, fight for so many weeks so that's the point that's the point. People should respect more the people who are even losing because they put on a hell of a work every single day for so many weeks. Sometimes staying far away from their family, like me, for example. I'm not a fighter, Joanna. I will I never... I just go there and show and cement my legacy. And I will show that. I will prove that to myself. I don't have to prove anything to people. I like it. I, I will never claim to know what it is like to be a fighter, Ioana, but in MMA, everything is a lesson to be learned. Wins, losses, certain things happen in a fight, and we always learn and evolve from those things. So after losing the first two fights of your career, what are some of the things you've learned? What are some of the things that you've learned about yourself throughout all of this? I learned a lot about people. 
people, and and that's the point. Like I uh, said so many times, it's all about trust. It's all about trust. Uh, it's all about trust. But uh, all the people like around you, like they think they are professional, but they are not. We shouldn't be afraid of using own knowledge. That's the point. I'm very happy, very thankful and grateful to my coaches that finally I have a team uh, I dream, dreamed about for so many years. I have a good nutritionist team right now, but I keep eye on everything. So, And I'm very happy that me, my coaches, and other people are on the same page. And I learn a lot about not giving up, not giving up, but I was like this, but if you wanna have something done very well, you must do this on your own. And this is what I'm doing right now. Even I, I turned 30 last year, I knew that. I knew that, but maybe I forgot. Maybe I was literally blind, but I learned that. And it was very depressing. I asked Tisha this question, so I'm going to ask you the same thing. You both are great fighters. You're both very experienced. You've both been in there with the best of the best. But what one thing do you think will be the biggest difference in this fight for you to get your hand raised on Saturday night? I will outclass Tisha Torres. She hasn't faced someone like Joanna in Shechuk. She hasn't. She hasn't yet. She will have she will have a chance on Saturday. But I will show her what does it mean to be a champion. What does it mean to be top of the top for so many years? Couple more things before we let you go because I know you want to enjoy this beautiful weather. But do you have a prediction here? Do you see this thing going down in any kind of way in Calgary? No predictions. Just be there and don't blink. Just watch it. <laughs> I, I I know you have a fight to prepare for and a lot going on. I truly appreciate the time here. But what's the message for everybody heading into this fight? For those who are with you, for those who are doubting you following the two losses, for everyone who will be paying close attention to this fight, what is the message for everybody? I'm only feeling the love. Calgary is amazing. Like Sometimes I'm receiving messages like, oh, please, you are not. Don't be focused on this case. But honestly, I don't see this. I know that there are portals. MMA websites, people are talking all kinds of stuff. They, they define my fighting career on my last two fights. But I don't care. I know who I am and who I want to be. And uh, I know who is Joanna, uh, an athlete, and who is Joanna, a woman. And this is what I like about. And in Calgary, I'm meeting so many people. They're cheering for me. Mm, the media are so great. And... Uh, for them, with bad or without, I'm still simply the best. And this is what I matter about. And I want to give this fight to all of these people. They come into the show. And the uh, Pol- Pol- Polish people from Calgary, they come into the event. It's going to be an amazing show. And I will give this fight to my fans. It was an honor to chat with you for the first time. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Thank you very much for the time today. Great stuff from Thank you, as you. always. Bye. And we wish you the best <laughs> on Saturday. Thank you again. Bye. There she is, Yohan Jacek. She is fired up, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll see what happens on Saturday when she faces Tisha Torres. It's on free TV, pay-per-view quality for the right price, ladies and gentlemen. So really looking forward to that card. I want to thank Yohan and thank Tisha Torres for coming on the show. And big thank you to Alex Hernandez and John McDessie for taking some time out a couple of months back. Looking forward to that card for sure. And that's it. We are out of here. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for all downloading and subscribing. Big thank you to our sponsor, teststripsofthez.com. 
Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cashola. Up to $50 per box. Test strips with the Z.com. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at MikeHeck underscore JR. Follow the podcast at Extra Rounds. And make sure you follow the site as well at MMA and at SI underscore MMA. Back next week, everybody. Thanks for having us on. Enjoy the fights. Enjoy the fights.